Hello and welcome to My Career in Data, a podcast where we discuss with industry leaders and experts how they have built their careers. I'm your host, Shannon Kemp, and today we're talking to Brian Parrish from iData. More and more companies are considering investing in data literacy education, but still have questions about its value, purpose, and how to get the ball rolling. Introducing the newest monthly webinar series from Dataversity, Elevating Enterprise Data Literacy, where we discuss the landscape of data literacy and answer your burning questions. Learn more about this new series and register for free at dataversity.net. Hello and welcome. My name is Shannon Kemp and I'm the Chief Digital Officer at Dataversity and this is My Career in Data, a Dataversity Talks podcast dedicated to learning from those who have careers in data management, to understand how they got there and to be talking with people who help make those careers a little bit easier. To keep up to date in the latest in data management education, go to dataversity.net forward slash subscribe. Today, we are joined by Brian Parrish, the founder and CEO of iData, the company behind the Data Cookbook. And normally, this is where a podcast host would read a short bio of the guest, but in this podcast, your bio is what we're here to talk about. Brian, hello and welcome. Ah, thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm excited. Oh, I'm so excited you're here. Um, so tell me, so you're the CEO and founder of iData. So tell me first about, about iData. Uh, I data. We are a, a data management company, kind of at its roots. Uh, but you know, we had a, a journey, not unique, but I'm sure lots of other companies have had this. But you know, we started off as a technology consulting firm where we were doing data-related projects, uh, primarily with colleges and universities and the large amount of data associated with that. So we were doing custom reporting projects, data warehousing projects, system integration projects, custom development projects, all those types of things. And this is, you know, we're going to be our 20th year next year. So we were doing that for five, six, seven years, and um, and I always say that we run into the same problems that organizations run in doing this work themselves, like you know, understanding the data well enough, getting good requirements, and you know, sort of the upfront problems of doing data projects with clients, and then on the back end of that, you know, we would deliver deliver solutions, and and you know, sadly find out a couple of years later that people aren't using it because there there wasn't enough information or transparency to what it was, and we thought there's got to be got to be a way that we can do this better from a services standpoint or you know to help us and help our customers and at the time there really wasn't any tools for managing for the data management part the the data governance the data catalog so that's um so we started in 2008 2009 we launched the data cookbook which in its early phases was a data governance framework and a business glossary and report specification kind of tool and that's grown since and Pretty quickly after we released that product, people were much more interested in that tool than they were in our services. <laughs> so we transitioned over to a to a product company. Uh, so nowadays we have, you know, our main product is the data cookbook. It's a full data intelligence, data governance, data catalog solution. Uh, but we still have our um, some foot in the uh, the actual data solutions side, where we're still working with a lot of higher education people on package data integration. So that's sort of a 60-40 split in, in our company. That keeps us honest to do those data-related projects and try to apply the, the tools that we have. Um, so that's 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 who we are. And um, you know, I've been, as I, I said before, we're coming up on 20 years in, in the company. And uh, you know, one of the things about doing this for, the, for this long is you know, we've worked with over 700 organizations and different projects and over 300 organizations and trying to implement data governance and 
one of the things you find is that, you know, it is not, uh, you know, it's easy to do it wrong, right? So having, giving, uh, and a lot of what we do is helping people, um, you know, figure out really pragmatic and simple ways and feasible ways to, to, to do data governance with, with our tool or with other our tool. And I'm excited to talk about um, data careers because I think that's a big part of it as people, you know, there, there's just not enough people in any organization to help people understand their data, to promote or support data literacy and data use, you know, and, um, and, and that's going to be a key need and a growing need uh, as, you know, more and more people want to do more and more things with data. So many questions popped into my mind, but I I give you a long answer. So I probably <laughs> no no no. It's not long at all. No, it's really good. And uh, you know, you're speaking so many great keywords there. But I want to come back to that a little bit. Um, because first, you know, uh, I want to ask, you know, as the so you've been so twenty years. First of all, congratulations. That's really a major accomplishment, and and that's awesome. So to Still so, feels like a startup every day, though. I always feel, yeah. You know. <laughs> I just think it always does, right? Yeah. <laughs> As it, no matter how you know how you grow, but um, but so you know, as a CEO right now, you know, um, as you're working with customers and working with a product, you know, what does your typical work week look like? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so you know, there's a lot of different paths to CEO in the, you know, in, in the world. Um, and, you know, I'm a founder CEO that comes as, you know, that started as a developer and, you know, my company started with just me, like I was doing consulting services and we grew that up. So, you know, I was delivering services and then we developed a tool and, you know, I hired great people to help build these things, but I still am very involved in the product and the services. Um, so I have a team of operational people who support me. You know, there's other CEOs who, you know, people bring in to sort of run the company. Um, and I brought in people to support me to, to do that. Um, so, you know, I also have, I, I don't have it on my title officially, but I, I do serve as the chief product officer too, which is something that I'm sort of have been unwilling to give up, but probably would be helpful. So, you know, I'd say probably a third of my time is, you know, still being involved in, you know, product design and product review and uh, service design and service review. Um, and then another third is is sort of strategic work and um, and and management type aspects. Another third is is sales efforts. You know, I'm doing a lot of of that in in, in my role. I squeezed in there. I don't know if I'm you know for a data company, my math isn't going to work great here, but um, you know, probably like ten percent or so is is one thing I really love is that, you know, I do a lot of these best practices webinars and sessions and training for people that frankly kind of, you know, falls into this, the sales and marketing side of what we we do, but we really try not to, to talk about our product because in our, in our world, you know, the biggest problem that we have with our data governance solution, and, and this is going a bit off the rails from your question, but when we first launched it, we would go to conferences or talk to people like, hey, we have this data governance solution and people would be like, a data what? A what governance? A what, what, what are you talking about? And you know, why would you need that? And so we spent a lot of time educating the market on what this what this thing was. And nowadays, you know, it's it's a much more, you know, the vast majority of people through a lot of work like the university and people like that, you know, are they understand the need for this and, and what it is, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they've got a good grip on how to do data governance in their own organization. So for us, like you know, we 
for people to use our tool, they really need to be bought in and understand like why they're doing data governance and how to get adoption for it. So the best practices sessions that we have are somewhat self-serving because the more people understand and buy into data governance and have a good plan for implementing it, the more likely they are to use a tool like, like the data cookbook or other data governance tools. So I, I really enjoy that, that part of it. And um, so that's, you know, good sort of 10% of, of what we do. So um, again, my role in, in the company is, is still very rooted in the sort of developer analyst that I began with. Um, you know, at some point, sadly, I know I'm gonna have to give that up, <laughs> you know, I think, or you, know, you can't sort of keep doing, doing all of those, those things, but I, but I do feel very connected to the, you know, the people working with data now, because I, I, I that's still sort of my, my core as a person, you know, that I started as a, as a developer, you know? Yeah. Oh, I understand, you know, as you, as you grow, right. You you know as the founder you get to keep what you want and keep the projects and and tasks that you want and delegate what you don't and but at some point you're right you know like you do have to start giving up things that you like too sometimes to <laughs> make it all that happen. is true but you know if you talk yeah. to any other CEO or even a manager you know it's like you you get to keep what you want except when things mm -hmm. you know other things come up that you can't ignore right I you know it's like you know you, yeah. you 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 can keep those things you want unless you know until it is. Uh, um, you know, overrun by other fires and things like that. So yeah. I should say 10% of my time is, is working on fires, but you know, that's probably not. I not understand. Yeah. Well, so, so, okay. So Brian, tell me, so is this, was this a dream when you were say like six years old, you know, is this what you wanted to be when you grew up and say, I'm going to be a founder and CEO of a data governance company? Uh, well, as as I already mentioned, I don't think I knew what data governance was when I was. Uh, a kid. <laughs> um, but I, know I, you know, I'm sort of I like to rebel against that whole concept of you have to know what you want to do when you you know when you grow up because I feel like you're always, you know, there's all like you're never at the end of of your your journey. But I, I definitely didn't like when I was a kid. I was a, I was a band geek, you know, and and or I, I thought I was going to be a band director or. or or playing a rock band or who knows, you know, and I did go down a path of, of, you know, I started out, but, you know, I was always sort of a, you know, I grew up at that time, you know, not that, I don't want to date myself, but I guess I will, you know, I grew up in the, in the eighties, you know, when computers were new and, and, uh, you know, I got very kind of into writing programs and doing stuff when early on, and I was lucky enough to go to a really good high school and uh, where they, they focused on those things. And so programming was always something that was a big part of me. And with that, of course, working with data and, and coming up with things like that. So, um, but I, you know, was always thinking that, you know, I, I don't want to do this as a career. Like, you know, I want to do these other things. Uh, but you never, you never get to, um, you know, sort of you follow what, what life, what life brings. And, you know, I had a, an internship when I was a junior in, in college and, um, at a software company, an enterprise uh, company. And they were going through a major rewrite of their entire application. And this is an ERP system that has thousands and thousands of tables and that, you know, and part of this was a full redesign of their whole data model. And with that came an entire need to do a data conversion for everyone, all of their, their customers. And, um, you know, I was basically as an intern put on this this assignment where we were figuring out how to basically map the data from the old system to the new system, understand how that works, how people would manage to understand the data and all that kind of stuff. And um, 
you know, that experience as an intern really stuck with me. And I think, you know, continued to inform everything, everything I did. And I, I ended up going back to work for that company, worked there for like three or four years, and then quit to go play in the rock band that I was in, thinking that that was going to be my future. Um, but turns out I'm much better at data projects than I am at, at music. <laughs> so, uh, so that didn't, you know, didn't pay any bills. Uh, it was, it was, it was fun though, but um, yeah. So, I, well, I have to, I have to ask time. what if you played an instrument, or were you a singer? Oh, I played an, I played an instrument. I, I definitely was not the singer. Um, I, I played woodwinds. You know, I, I was a band geek. I played saxophone and and harmonica nice. in the band. So, yeah, nice. <laughs> um, but Fun. yeah, so you know, I I did that. Um, you know, stayed at that company for a while and and kept doing data related projects, and then you know, at some point. Uh, it, that led me to work for another consulting company and someone was sort of like, you know, I think I could do this better on my own. And that's when I left and, and started doing consulting, but had in my mind that what, and, and I don't want to kind of jump to the question that you haven't asked yet, but I think what, what I learned as a consultant, like being, you know, that I could, I could get hired to go work for, in, in this case, I was working in higher education. So I could go work for a college to, to help them with a the data related project. And, you know, I, was a mediocre developer, right? And, and maybe a pretty good analyst, but I, there was something special about my skills as a, as a developer. But what what made me marketable to those customers is that I understood where the data was and how to, and not just like I understood the data, but it's an enormous enough system that I could, there's no way I could understand everything. But I also knew the key to figure out, figuring out where the data lives and how, like I, I you know, I knew the, the keys to the tools to, to let me figure these things out where a lot of people didn't. And I was always surprised by that. I mean, it just seemed like it wasn't that difficult to understand those those things. So, you know, at some point, it, it you know, I, I transitioned to saying, you know, maybe rather than, you know, it's not very scalable to sell my own knowledge on how to do this. Like maybe what you need to do is to, you know, help provide to the world the ability to access, you know, access this, this data, you know, and and that's sort of where the data cookbook and data literacy rules came, came out. So again, that's just sort of, one thing led to another from from doing these getting these kind of data related projects and um, and building from there. But it was definitely not my my dream to be a CEO. I don't think. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, it, it's uh, you're not the first uh, musician, I should say, that uh, <laughs> in data. <laughs> yeah, I, it's I it's true. I mean, I don't. I mean, I think anyone. I don't. I don't want to discourage any from doing this job, but I I do think that there is something. You know, there's something special about people in, in music and the way their pattern recognition and their and, and combined with creativity and 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 sort of mathematical skills that that tends to be a good indicator of of talent in the in the world yeah. of of data and and programming. So. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Well, that's um, I I love that. Uh, it's so you just charge that on your own. And and then kept finding more problems to solve, and then created a tool to solve it. I love it. Um, yeah, an interesting th like thing I was thinking about when before this podcast and talking about careers is that when I was thinking about my career, it it wasn't necessarily that I was succeeding and then building on the successes. It was off more often that there was a failure, and I realized what caused that failure. And then mm -hmm. maybe I'll go work on something that will help, you know, 
correct that failure. So, you know, a lot of the things, like the data cookbook tool that we deliver comes out of, you know, having projects fail that, you know, why did, you know, why was it so difficult upfront, you know, to get good requirements? Why is no one using this, this tool, you know, and, and things that, that we did, I did as a consultant, things that the companies I worked at before, um, you know, I worked at, for this company that went through multiple initiatives of um, releasing reporting tools attached to their, their, their product. And, you know, they would sit around saying, why is nobody using this tool? Like, you know, maybe we need another tool. <laughs> and at some point it's like, the problem isn't the tool. The problem is that your data is hidden. Like people don't, you know, know how to get to the data and that's what you should, should do. And, and when I was very early in my career, I got this throwaway project given to me to build a, a, a process that would run through all, they had a proprietary uh, development tool. So it wasn't like, you know, it had, it was, the data was fairly hidden. The metadata was very hidden. I built a tool that would take all that stuff and dump it out to HTML pages, right? And then they would just publish it. And it was this tech doc online thing that we did. And I wrote that code 30 years ago, I think. And that is still being used by people <laughs> like at that, at that company. Like it is like the most effective thing I ever wrote. But, and, and, and that was also something you look back and say, hey, you know, that, that thing that made data, you know, the metadata, the information on their data available to people was the most impactful thing I ever wrote in that, in that job. And um, so anyway, those, those are things that sort of you think about and say, well, why, you know, maybe I should put my energy towards, you know, towards those, those things that, that were either embedded or, or things that, you know, this thing calls a problem, I figure out how to fix that problem. Yeah, we, we've talked about it a few times on the podcast, you know, and I'm so glad that you brought up failure because I know it was a hard lesson for me. I went into, you know, jobs thinking I had to be perfect, like, and, but failure is where you learn and get better. Um, and it's, it's when you stop being, fearing it, <laughs> life is so much easier <laughs> and, you, and you're more successful in, in, or you're, you have an ability to be more successful in, in what you're doing. Um, and just that natural curiosity too, uh, of, okay, so what went wrong? How, why did it go wrong and troubleshooting it and then figuring out a solution instead of going, oh gosh, I failed, you know, and the world, is, the world is coming to an end. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it's, it's a, it's a hard thing to learn, um, sometimes, uh, for, so that's, I love that, uh, that's how everything has evolved. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, so tell me then, so what has been your biggest lesson? Is it uh, so far in your career? Um, you've mentioned a few kind of lessons already. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, the, that sort of lesson about, I don't know, you know, this transition in my career from in, in terms of related to the use of data is, you know, I, I mentioned that one of the, the value that I was ha I was delivering early in my career as a consultant was that I knew the data well enough or I knew the tools to, to figure out the data well enough. And I encountered a number of people along the way who would um, advise me to, to, to hoard that knowledge, like to not share it. Like, you know, don't ever tell anyone how you figured that out, right? Because as soon as you do, your your value goes away and you know I, there are people who've made very successful careers following that path that I, I was just like that doesn't make any any sense for me it's like you know 
I think I've got more, more things to figure out in this world than, you know, retain, like hoarding this knowledge and making sure nobody can figure it out. And I think there's more value. People are going to be more interested in what I have and what my company has and helping people understand that. So that's been kind of a guiding, a guiding principle for, for us. It's sort of led into the tool itself is, is, is transparency and, and, and what we do and, and, and sort of the showing your work aspect of, of doing data related projects. And, you know, we've worked with companies before that are like analytics companies that provide packaged data warehousing and things. And they are very guarded and very protective of their underlying data model. Like this is our IP. We can't share it with people. And I always tell them like, all right, well, that's a good way to guarantee that eventually no one's going to use your product because if they don't understand how this stuff is calculated and how it works, like you should stop being so worried about you've got some miracle thing in there and be more concerned about whether or not people are successful using your, your product. And that's been the guy, like the, learning that lesson that, or just maybe fighting back a little on our, you know, with that gut reaction to, it's not about hoarding knowledge and, and um, you know, it's about, enabling the people that you're working with to be successful when you're gone. You know, I always say like, if I'm doing a project and, and, and you don't have to call me to come back and, you know, add a field or fix a whatever, then I've done it right. And I've, you know, I might make an extra thousand dollars coming back doing that uh, maintenance, but I'd rather have the 10,000 plus dollars of the referral because you love what we did so much. You know, that's, that's sort of the, the lesson that, that I learned. And, and I think in the career, people really, really respect that. Ah, yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and very good advice. Um, so, um, having worked with data for 20 some odd years now, you know, what is your definition? That's generous 30. (laughs) (laughs) So what is your definition of data? Oh, geez. Um, first of all, I should tell a little, I mean, not necessarily a joke, but, you know, I always say that, you know, there's two camps of the uh, data, whether or not data is plural or singular. I don't know where data diversity falls on this this argument or has ever come up in your, your, your sessions, but uh, that's always the first thing. Like, people can't even agree about whether or not it's a plural word or a singular, like, you know, there's a problem with the data, you know, or, or there's a problem, you know, or there's a problem. Anyway, that's a, that's a, the data are, or the data is people, right? That's the, that's the issue. Um, you know, the data is information. Data is the data. See, I'm an is person. So there's probably people cringing right now. And it tends to be, by the way, in my experience, my wife is a is sort of a economist. I don't want to like a soft sciences type person. And then, you know, the technology side of things more as a data is, data is people and the soft people are data are people. But, you know, we they can't agree on that. So it's tough to agree on a lot of other things around data. But if you just think of it, it's information and and it's, um, you know, the things that you need to answer questions and all, and all those kinds of, of things. Um, what I find a more interesting side of that question is when you're looking at the scope of data governance or data intelligence or data catalog type things, you know, that, that our product supports that, that your company talks about with data diversity is that, you know, there's so many, so much to me, different terminology on how they talk about what's a glossary, what's a dictionary, what's a steward, what's a trustee, what's a, you know, what's a catalog, what's a, you know, all those, those types of things. And um, one of the things I say during 
sales calls or best practices calls when I talk about this with an organization is that it's ironically the term data dictionary is one of the worst defined terms in in uh, in data governance. Like, because if you're talking to an I an IT or tech person, they'll be like, oh, that yeah, we have a data dictionary, and they're talking, oh, it's a describe of their their database, and then you ask a uh, you know a functional person or whatever, like, oh yeah, we have a data dictionary, and they're talking about a glossary or business terms, and 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 it doesn't really matter. What I always say is it doesn't really matter what you call it as long as you're in an agreement within your organization on, on what this thing means. But the biggest issues with data and the definition of data are from a governance perspective or what it, you know, meta meta level is that, um, you know, people set out on these initiatives and I've seen it all the time where they say, we're going to do a data governance initiative. And they have a room full of people that they say that they're going to do this with. And everyone's like, great. And then they all go off to their corners and each, all 12 of them are like, they're going to solve my data quality problem. Another person's like, they're going to solve my data literacy problem. Another person's like, they're going to solve my, my policy and retention problem. And they're going to solve my data access problem. And <laughs> we didn't say that. We said, <laughs> but everyone has their own interpretation. And it's true. It kind of covers way broadly all these things. So the biggest issue that we see when people set out to these initiatives is that they're not specific enough around defining, like, what are, what are the problems we're trying to solve? And, and what do what are the best practices that we're doing to, to do that and the tools that we're going to do and, and the expectations from the, from people and from things like that. And, and, and if you don't set those expectations right and define your terminology around the best practices of data governance, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot to, to start. So. With a robust catalog of courses offered on demand and industry-leading live online sessions throughout the year, the Dataversity Training Center is your launchpad for career success. Browse the complete catalog at training.dataversity.net and use code DVTALKS for 20% off your purchase. That's a best practice tip for sure. Okay, so then let me expand on that a little bit too. And so since you brought it up a few times, the data governance, what's your, defin what's your definition of data governance? Well, it's changed over the years. I, I mean, I think sure. uh, because it keeps getting you know bigger and smaller. Um, my when I talk about data governance, I talk about the human curation aspect of data, right? Mm -hmm. So the engagement of subject matter expertise and 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 business makers in making decisions or defining or curating uh, curating the the data. Um, oftentimes, that could be conflated with the the sort of content you know, the, the catalog content or the, the information around, around your data. And again, as I say, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's, it can be a catch-all phrase, but I enjoy, you know, a more common phrase these days than, than used to be is the concept of data intelligence as a catch-all, like data intelligence. We always say we have a data intelligence solution that, you know, helps your organization have the, you know, knowledge and processes and, and people and uh, for, to facilitate better use of your data. And that data intelligence includes a framework for data governance, that human duration activity, and your kind of data catalog content, which has a whole variety of different types of information around your data, be it data system inventories, report catalogs, data flow and lineage, uh, data quality, you know, rules and assessments and monitoring, uh, reference data, you know, and all these types of things. So that's so. So I, I think if you kind of narrow governance to that, the human curation activities, it helps, it helps people under, understand that. Um, and, and then the governance is over all that other, other content. Yeah, so that's how we like to talk about it. 
I think that's very valid. And, and um, the, you know, we get companies approach us all the time who, you know, or people from within companies saying, I need help explaining what data governance is. Um, and that's very clear and concise. And, you know, so many executives have come to think that, um, you know, data governance is a dirty word. It's just about following, you know, policies and and laws and <laughs> that is a challenge i mean i I, right. I i deal with that all the time and i and i usually if i'm start talking to an organization for the first time i'll ask them what are your goals and mm -hmm. I, and it's 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 a really difficult thing because i say i'll ask them what their goals are and i say well we need a data dictionary or we need a data a, a data catalog and i was like well that's not a goal that's a that's a means like what is your goal mm -hmm. and and i i equate this to um, diet and exercise. And this is like the worst sales thing ever for a data governance tool, but I say that you know, data governance and data capital, it's the diet and exercise of, of reporting or of use of data. Like, like, you know, if you have reporting tools, if you have a data warehouse, if you've got projects, if you have a good data governance and, and data catalog structure around that, uh, you're going to be successful, right? And it's like, if you are a person who wants to lose weight and get in shape, diet and exercise, you're going to be successful, right? But you have to be bought into that, right? You have to say like, we, I'm going, like, I'm going to do diet and exercise. But the goal, like, if you say, yeah. what's your goal for, what is your fitness goal? And someone says, my fitness goal is to do 100 sit-ups, like that's not a goal, right? So that's when you ask someone, what is your goal for for data governance? And they say, well, my goal is to have a data catalog. I say, well, that's not like why, you know? And the answer yeah. would be, and and this is where it gets interesting, is that depending on what the answer is to that question, and there may be more than one, there's very different approaches you will take in implementing data governance, right? So if someone says, we have a data warehouse project and we're really interested in documenting the lineage and that's a critical thing, or they say, we have a new reporting tool we're, we're implementing and we want to make sure that there's self-service reporting and people have enough knowledge of the data to, to execute on that. Or they say, nobody trusts any of the data in our company. They all, like, they're in disagreement. They think there's data quality problems everywhere, you know, or there's, you know, everyone's arguing over what things mean. Like, all of those things are solved by various best practices, data quality workflows, policy processes, all this type of things. But, you know, with different priorities in each one and, and different methods. And so if you can get people to talk about what the outcomes are that they're trying to solve with data governance. Then you can say, well, this part of data governance is where you want to start. And then you build, build from, from, from there. Um, so that's, I don't know, maybe I've lost the original question that you asked, but, but that's the, um, you know, honestly, I could go down this rabbit hole for, for a while, but, but let me turn it back to the, to the, to the bio. Um, you know, and again, especially because you have been in data for for twenty plus years, and um, do you see the importance of data management and the number of jobs working with data increasing or decreasing over the next ten years, and and why? Yeah, well, you know, you can always get in trouble for predicting the future, but uh, I don't see any reason that data related jobs are. Are, are going away. I mean, some people might worry about AI or things like that, but you know, I'll, I'll talk about that in a second because I don't, I don't think that's the case. But um, you know, I think that first of all, you know, it's, it's obvious to say that the the amount of data and the need for data is you know growing, you know, at, at an uh, uh, enormous rate, and it's going to continue to to do that. And so, you know, being able the need to tap into that 
uh, in a whole bunch of different ways than even ways we haven't thought about now is going to be important. Um, and so we could probably have a whole bunch of interesting conversations around data science and data analysis and, and, and tools for, for, for analyzing data and all that kind of stuff. But I want to talk about the, the data management part of that, which is that, um, and I'll talk a little bit about AI here, is that a lot of people think, I get asked all the time about our tool, like, oh, does your tool, like a lot of people want a data catalog tool to, they, they, they want to say, do you have AI and machine learning that can basically categorize all my data for me? Right. And I'm like, well, there's certain things that we can do, but also, you know, the most common situation we have is like in higher ed, there's this concept that is sort of very hard for people to understand. It's, it's student engagement. So if you're asking yourself, um, how do I tell whether or not a student, particularly an online student is engaged, right. And to see if they are maybe at risk of falling off, you know, and so there's lots of ways you can measure that. When is the last time they logged in? How are they doing with their grades? Like, you know, but there is no clear definition of that or no standard definition of that. And so when people start talking about student engagement, they, um, it's, it's, it's very hypothetical. And so, but it's a question people are asking all the time, you know, how are, how are our students engaging? What's the level of student engagement? And so in your standard college or standard organization or standard company doing this, if you ask 10 people, how do we measure student engagement or how should we measure student engagement? You're going to get 10 different answers, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you had AI come in and say, ask AI, how should we calculate student You're going to get an 11th answer. That's probably very wrong, right? So the data management exercise there from a glossary standpoint is to, to, to find agreement where it matters and, and contextual definitions for the other things. You know, I always say that Another thing people argue about with with um, business glossary is people will say, and we have ten different definitions of student engagement. And I usually, you know, and when they say that, what they mean is we need to agree on what the one definition is. And I always say, well, that's not really the case. You have ten different things you're calling student engagement, and you need to figure out like how you want to name each one of those. And and this exercise is like if you are able to define what that means from a data from a functional standpoint and then connect it technically to like, this is where it lives in these data systems. That is the, that's the powerful thing that will feed an AI, you know, a, a language model, machine learning to generate SQL and do all that kind of thing. So, so what I'm saying with that is that this effort of curating, cataloging, defining things, getting consensus and decision and managing the data is going to become more important in order to feed what, will later maybe become, may replace some jobs like writing SQL, maybe something that's done by a computer, right? But you have to give that, that computer the information necessary to understand that. And the big problem we have right now, which I think is people are making this big leap is that we haven't figured out how to decide for ourselves what something means. So I, I'm not sure that we're ready to let a computer do it. So I think there's plenty of jobs out there uh, for for this, and I don't think we have to worry about defining everything. And there's nothing new to define, and we're out of jobs. That's never going to happen. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I think there's plenty of there's plenty of work in in all sorts of of ways, and and also new jobs that we've never even never even thought about um, to, yeah. to better interpret data. And I'm sure you've probably had people on here who who know more about this than I do. But also storytelling with data is a critical part yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, very critical. 
I, so I absolutely agree. So what advice then would you look to, would you give to people who are looking to get into a career in data management, you know, maybe in any aspect or, or maybe specifically data governance? Yeah. I mean, again, there's lots of careers in data, which I'm sure, you know, you have no shortage of podcasts here on this topic, but I think um, if you want to talk about data management, one thing that I've kind of learned is that it doesn't necessarily have to be a technical person um, where we've seen really good um, people in the data management roles or data governance roles. They come from more of a library sciences background than a data science background because uh, you're really talking about categorizing and, and, and organizing and and collaborating on, on things. So um, I, I wouldn't be scared away from a data governance career if, if you're non-technical necessarily, because I think there's a big, a, a big part of it. Um, uh, so that's something to think about. I, you know, I, obviously knowing data science and knowing the data is, is, is important, but I think you know, for both sides of that, if you are a library science or someone who is, who understands categorization of those types of, you know, very organized person, then I think those skills you can apply to data management by, getting some education in the data, you know, knowing some technical components, but you don't have to be an expert. Like I said, I'm a mediocre programmer, but you know, I, 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 I do okay with, with data management. And I think um, the flip side of that is that if you are a programmer, you know, and you're, you know, really great at algorithms, I mean, that's awesome. And you can write really, you know, efficient code. It, it is good to think back, to step back and, and um, look at the functional side of, of things. I, and, the, the the one thing I I have think about with data governance a lot is that as a as an overall initiative in an organization, data governance is where you're bringing together your functional and technical people, you know, and you're getting them on the same page that we agree on things. And sometimes they, that's a real struggle. Technical people oftentimes are like, why would you know? I know this. Why would you you know want to think? And, and functional people have the other like, I don't need to know that technical stuff. But the last thing I'll say about data governance and from a well, I'll say two things about this from a career standpoint, is that I think that empathy is a critical skill in data governance. Um, I mean, it's a critical skill in life, but what this really is, this, the challenge that a lot of developers have, and I, you know, stereotyping is, is not good, right? I'd say there's two types of people, people who you know, separate groups of people into two types and people who don't. <laughs> but stereoty stereotyping uh, developers is that many of them oftentimes, like they're not, it's not easy for them to perceive of, of people who don't know what they know, right? Like they're like, uh, you know, I, I've got this information about this thing. Like, you know, obviously everybody else is going to know how this this works, or, or you know, and uh, so and same things with experts. Like experts don't always like anyone who has an expert on something. They're, they're it's really hard for them to explain it to someone because they feel like it's difficult for them to you know empathize with people who don't have the knowledge that they that they do. So an exercise in data literacy and and governance is is saying, how do I, you know, share this information and create transparency around our data, you know, to the masses, you know, the whole explain it like I'm a five-year-old kind of thing and put that, put that out there. So that's a type of skill that you want to try to cultivate, you know, mm -hmm. technical writing, things like that are, are good. Now mm -hmm. I'm going to make a generalization about careers and there may be people who disagree with this. This is my opinion and it's goes counter to my entire industry that I work in in higher education <laughs> is that when when I get resumes from programmers or developers or anyone who's, who's doing doing work um 
it is great if you've gone to a good school. It's great if you've taken good classes, but there's lots of people who've gone to good schools. There's lots of people who've gone to good classes and you can go to good classes and learn good things and not necessarily be great at it, right? It's hard to tell. So I always recommend that if there's a something that you're passionate about, some a career that you want to follow, find a way to do a project outside of school or outside of your current job that demonstrates your your both your passion for that thing and your ability to solve problems. So, you know, hey, I you know created a database to help manage my friends' bands, bookings at shows or whatever, or I you know help the Girl Scouts figure out their cookie sales in this, you know, whatever it might be like to, create, you know, in that area. And I tell you, I will value those things when I see them on a job application or hear them in an interview, you know, 10 or a hundred times more than what oh, I took a class in XYZ, because I, I know that this person enjoys doing that and can actually apply real world problems to it. So I would recommend that if it's, if it's doing an internship, that's great. I mean, my whole career kind of started with, you know, random internship. But find something that you can do outside of work that that demonstrates that thing that you want to do in in technology or in and data. And it doesn't have to be a Nobel Prize. It can, I mean, it can be like I said, helping the Girl Scouts figure out their cookie sales. Like as long as you've done something and can say there was a problem, I figured out how to solve it. I use these tools because a lot of times people people who are hiring, they're not. You know, technology changes so quickly. We're not looking for people who know X skill necessarily. We're looking for people who know how to apply, you know, look at a problem and, 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 and find a solution for it and apply whatever things. And I, I, I keep rambling here, but there's one other lesson. I, I sort of skipped this part of my bio, but I spent a year living in Kenya when I was younger, kind of in a find yourself sort of thing. And I knew a lot of Peace Corps people there. And there's this um, concept in the Peace Corps called appropriate technology. And I think it's a fascinating thing. It's like going into a situation, particularly in, you know, developing world or whatever. And it's not like, oh, here's a classroom of, of kids and we're going to solve the problem by giving them all laptops. Well, you realize, well, there's, they don't have electricity here. They don't have a way to fix those laptops. Like you want to find what's the appropriate technology to solve the problem there. And that is a really good thing to learn from a problem solving standpoint. You know, what's the, how can you apply, you know, not that I'm the smartest person with that can use the most up-to-date tools to solve this, but like, you know, I was able to solve that problem with whatever the appropriate tools that were available or, and I think that's a great thing too. It's really, really great advice. Uh, I I really like that a lot. And, and something new that we haven't heard yet, which I think is, makes it even more valuable. So thank you for that. Um, And I'm now reevaluating my whole interview. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Don't do that. You're great. I think you're wonderful. <laughs> no, or just or what I'm looking for in, in for staff. I'm like, oh, I love that. Looking for extracurricular. Yeah, I think that's great because it's so true. Problem solving, demonstration of being able to problem solve is, is such a skill, you know, and that passion for it and that curiosity um, to find those. And um, yeah, so... Well, Brian, um, this has been so fabulous. I I, w- I can seriously talk to you for a lot longer, but <laughs> but we we do have to keep it in a time frame. But I don't. I would be remiss if I didn't ask, where would people go if they want to find out more about iData and the Data Cookbook? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, if if you're interested in learning about our our data cookbook product, you can go to datacookbook.com. There's all sorts of information there. Um, 
the thing I'm really proud of right now and that I've been getting a lot of good feedback on is our data governance best practices webinar series that we did. It's totally free and you can get there going to um, datacookbook.com slash DG, I think is what it is. And then from there, you can uh, click down to our best practices series. There's 20, it's a 20 session uh, series about um, what we call the pragmatic data governance, like how to do, you know, how to make data governance work with limited resources. I mentioned that we work with higher ed. Most of our customers are, you know, either nonprofit or public sector, you know, and, and have limited budgets and limited people. And so, and, you know, they can't dedicate full-time people to, to data governance and hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to, to tools. So they have to figure out how to make it work with their, with their regular job. And, and, and that's one benefit of been doing this for 20 years is we've learned from our failures, right? We've learned from like what hasn't worked and how do you adjust to have a solution that is, you know, that's as practical and feasible for people. So I check out those that best practices series if you if you're interested. And then, um, uh, yeah, and, and then iData Inc. iDataInc.com is our is the company website if you want to learn more about what we do in our system integration world and and all of that. Um, and also, we'll be at Dataversity uh, DGIQ conferences as well. So fabulous! Yeah. I love that. Oh, that's awesome. Well. Brian, and I, and I, you know, I encourage people to go check out the webinars as well. I've heard you speak, you're a great speaker, which is why I invited you to be here because you have so much passion and I could seriously could talk to you for so much longer. <laughs> well, I've, I've never been, uh, my highest skill is not brevity. So I apologize for talking for too long, but I, I could also, talk, I could, I could keep talking for a long time. So I'd love to be back anytime if you have another topic. That you want to yeah. want to discuss and and but I am enjoying listening to the rest of, of your of this series. I think it's I think it's great. Thank you so much. Well, Brian, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Yeah, thank you, and have a have a wonderful weekend and a, and a great rest of the year. So, all right. thank you so much. And to all of our listeners out there, if you'd like to keep up to date in the latest podcasts and the latest in data management education, you may go to dataversity.net forward slash subscribe. Until next time and stay curious. Thank you for listening to Dataversity Talks, a podcast brought to you by Dataversity. Subscribe to our newsletter for podcast updates and information about our free educational webinars at dataversity.net forward slash subscribe. Thank you.